You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com. Today we're going to talk about the transformative, like the changing nature, the transformative nature of Jesus himself, like in in the transformative nature of the gospel. Uh, So it's beautiful to hear even that that I don't have to start with this story of, hey guys, I kind of struggle in my life with things because we just did that around tables. You guys actually shared things that you realize within yourself that you want God to change, that you know that God is calling you to change. Um, and so, uh, it's, you know, it's beautiful to be transparent and real about those things of, man, sometimes I have anxiety. Like, sometimes I am depressed. Like, sometimes I doubt that God exists. Like, and I'm starting a church. Like, sometimes I doubt, like, I read the passages and I'm like, man, really? Like, I don't know if that, like, it's just not real for me. Uh, you know, sometimes like um, when attacks and suffering comes or I'm just selfish and petty and I don't get my way. Like I don't get to watch the show that I want to watch or something ridiculous. Like I turn my back from God and I'm in my flesh and living for myself. Um, so, uh, and when that happens... Like, I lose focus of the purpose for myself here on this earth. So, the moment my eyes shift from God and the gospel of Jesus, I lose focus for what my purpose is here on this earth. And then, yeah, I really start to wonder, like, does my life really matter? Like, um, can I even make a difference? You know, uh, can God really use me? Man, like, can God change me? Like, I'm so selfish. Can He change that? Um, Man, like, my sister. Could God reach my sister who doesn't know Jesus? Like, could God reach into her heart and change her heart? Like, I don't even know if He could do that anymore. Um, I'll often wonder, like, I'm trying to reach a city right now. Like, I'm trying to reach just a neighborhood. Like, we're focused in this four-by-five block area. Man, and I'm beat down, and I doubt myself, and I doubt God. I'm like, man, can God really reach this neighborhood? Um, And then, let alone, like, could He reach a city? Like, could He reach the world? Um, But... It's cool because uh, even in the midst of those doubts uh, and in those struggles and where I'm at, uh, even in an anxious day, whatever that may be, um, God is steadfast and He is the same uh, no matter how I feel, no matter where I'm at. Uh, and so I can return to the Scriptures and, um, and, and I can find themes throughout. I can find truths that give me hope in the moments that I doubt so very much. In the moments that give me great anxiety, I can find uh, a peace and a settling and a calm in God's Word uh, by His Spirit through the Gospel of Jesus Christ. So, uh, the other day uh, when I was kind of struggling and walking through this, there was this simple idea. Uh, this, uh, this thought came about and... Um, Laura and I were driving around, and she could tell I was in a funk. She said, do you just need silence right now? (laughs) 
uh, it's sad to me that my wife has to say that, uh, but at times she has to ask that question. And I said, you know what, actually, uh, will you just put on Luke chapter 1, just put on some scripture, going over, over our, and driving in the car, let me just hear some word, okay, I'm driving down the road. Uh, and then there's this one passage that kind of pops out, and it brought out this idea uh, for me. Um, but it, so it's the idea was like, hey, go look at Jesus and then everywhere he goes, notice what he does. And then just keep following Jesus and like the good news of Jesus through his ministry and his disciples. Like go watch his disciples everywhere they go. Go look what they do and see what happens. So this idea pops up like. And I see it over and over and over again, like transformation happens. Everywhere Jesus goes, everywhere his disciples go, and they share this gospel message, change happens, transformation happens. Uh, lives are changed, Jesus heals people, people are being forgiven for all of their sins. Um, the gospel of Jesus is transformative in nature, in its very essence, like the gospel of Jesus is transformative. And, and there is great power in it uh, and purpose in the gospel. Like the gospel of Jesus, the, the purpose is transformation in people's lives. The purpose is, and, it, and the purpose of the gospel is very, the power, there's great power in the gospel. Um, and so for me, when I go look at that, and we're going to look at Acts chapter 16 today, like we see it very, very clearly. Uh, and it should give us great hope. Like as disciples of Jesus, as missionaries, as church planters, as existing churches, we should find great hope that in the gospel, uh, wherever Jesus goes, wherever the gospel is shared, transformation happens. Um, and so, and then even people that are far, far from God, who I used to be, uh, and sometimes think that I can still be, I run from Him, uh, but par people far, far from God, there is great hope for those people as well. Because it, all it takes is a moment in our life to say, you know what, I want to see if this Jesus thing is real. That's all God needs. Like, He just needs one opening, and, that, and then you take one step, and He meets you there. And so there is great hope for people. Uh, if this is your first church, first time to church, uh, if you're like, man, I don't even know about Jesus, uh, man, there is great hope for you as well, that there is, that the gospel is transformative in nature. So, I don't know how much you guys know about uh, Apostle Paul. Uh, today we're going to be in Acts chapter 16. So, Apostle Paul, uh, he, his life radically was changed by Jesus Christ. So, uh, he was a guy who persecuted the church. Like, he was a, a Jewish man who rejected Jesus. He stirred up crowds of Jewish people, and then they would round up Christians, lock them up in prison. Uh, there's even stories of them being stoned to death at his approval. Uh, so he was against Jesus in every way and fashion. But Jesus said, I have a different plan for you, Saul. Saul was his name. Uh, I have a different plan for you. And your name's going to actually be Paul. And I'm going to radically transform you. And not only that, I'm going to use you to now go spread my message and to go plant the gospel and share the gospel with many people. Uh, and actually that, you're going to go make disciples in different towns and cities. And in those towns and cities where you make disciples, we're, I'm going to make a church there. And that's what I'm going to do with you. And it's not going to be easy. Uh, but Paul, that's who, who you are and that's what you're going to go do. So we're following Paul here. Now Paul, 
is on his second missionary journey. Uh, Paul's a unique guy, okay? He, he's called to go from place to place to place to place to place, all over the place, to plant the gospel and make disciples. And that's what he does. Uh, some of us are called, uh, Joe is called to plant a church here in Hastings, that this church would grow, multiply, uh, it would be healthy, sustainable, that this church would start other churches and send out church planters. They would support other churches, in which they do now. Uh, that's what I've been called to do, to go start a church that will actually then start a church to start a church to start a church. Like we plant churches to plant churches to plant churches. Um, and so, uh, but I hope God doesn't call me to go to place to place to place. Uh, I just want to do the sweat, blood, and tears in one place. <laughs> like I'll just invest in this one place, God. That's all I need right now. Um, so the things that we'll see, and I'm going to kind of skip and jump through, uh, we see God calls and sends a group on mission. The mission is to plant gospels and plant the gospel and make disciples. We see in that the culture and society norms are challenged. And when the culture is challenged, persecution comes. When persecution comes, what the heck does God do with that? Actually, God uses it for a blessing and benefit, and the church grows. And so there's this reciprocal process that happens when the gospel's planted, and transformation is at the core of it. It's beautiful. So, uh, Acts chapter 16, um, I'm going to just read a couple verses all the way through uh, as we go uh, to kind of shorten this up for us. So, Acts chapter 16 verse 10 and it says and when Paul had seen the vision immediately we sought to go into Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them so we've got Paul God Paul has been ministering he's been going to place to place there's kind of this rub with Paul he keeps trying to go to Asia to do ministry he's like I'm supposed to go this way God I'm supposed to go this way God and God says no you're not no you're not he's like God's finally like dude fine here's a vision and go follow the vision finally here uh, so Paul gets this vision from God uh, and it says to him go to Macedonia and plant the gospel there so Paul gets this vision and he says, man, all right, God, that's where we go. He gathers his team. There's a group of people there with him. Uh, and he says, guys, we are called to start a church to go over to this area to Philippi. Let's go, guys. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. It's a team of people that go to do it. So God has called Paul on a mission and he, Paul get, has a team with him, and they go to a place. God, they've been called to a place to plant the gospel. Um, and so uh, here in this verse, we see all of that wrapped up beautifully. Immediately, they sought to go to this place, this place of darkness, this place that has no church, this place that has no Jesus, no gospels being preached there. Paul has been called to go to this dark place, to bring light into a dark place. So, um, I love that it's a team of people that go do it, and I love that there's immediacy, okay? Um, and this is kind of exactly uh, what 
uh, Paul and his team go to do? They go to do Jesus' mission. And so if we look at Jesus' life, it's the exact same thing. Like, this is what Jesus did. Uh, he went from place to place. He raised up his disciples. He taught them. And then he sent them out. So Paul's just following Jesus' mission to go forth and make disciples of all nations. Um, and then it's Jesus' promise also. And so it's not just Jesus' mission, but it's Jesus' promise. And so Jesus said at one point with his disciples, he said, look, uh, I am going to start my church and the gates of hell will not stop me from starting my church. And so Paul, he's been called on this mission. and It is Jesus' mission. There's this promise from Jesus that Jesus is going to do it through him. And so Paul rallies his troops to go forth. And the immediacy, what I love about Paul, and if we look at his life, is there was this burning, fervent, like fire within him. Uh, it was a burning fire within him that, that developed because he rejected God so harshly. He persecuted the church so harshly. He said there is no way that, that Jesus was the Messiah. There's no way that this Christian church should exist. We're going to destroy it. And Jesus changed his life and gave him life. And he said, you're going to go forth and make disciples in my name. And so within Paul, there's this burning, desperate desire that all would know, Je that all would know Jesus. I remember uh, there's a passage in Jeremiah, the prophet. And Jeremiah is talking about, um, man, if I don't mention the name of God, like if I don't speak any more in His name, there is in my heart as if a burning fire is shut in my bones. I'm weary if I hold it in. Like Paul is the same way with sharing the gospel. There is this burning passion passionate and fire within him and within church plants like that is what God needs God needs a group of people that will band together to see the gospel go forth into a community um, so they're sent on this mission they're called out as missionaries to go forth and plant the gospel now let's check out what happens when the team arrives to the place that God has called them and I, I, I want us to remember that, again, like the place that God has called them is a place of darkness, a place without the gospel, a place without a church. So, uh, in section uh, 11 through 15, I'm just going to read verse 13 and 14. Uh, verse 13 and 14 says, um, And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer. And we sat down and spoke to the, woman, the women who had come there together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what, what was said by Paul. Uh, so the team has arrived to the place God has sent them. And uh, so one thing of note here is that Paul, like he knew the culture and Paul knew the people. Uh, and then he, 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 because, and we know that he knew the culture and the people because he knew where to go to start spreading the gospel. So he goes down to the riverside where he knows people are going to be that will be able to hear the gospel. And so Paul says, hey team, let's go down to this area and let's preach the gospel. So Paul is planting the gospel. And what exactly is said by Paul, we don't really know here. Um, 
they, they go down to the riverside. There's a group of women there. Uh, so does Paul use maybe like the river rolling by? Like, does he use water to tell some kind of metaphor, you know, to call action to the gospel? Like to share, hey, uh, let, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus, this good news of Jesus. So use your imagination with me for a second. Maybe Paul, uh, he recalls a story. And he begins to tell this story of Jesus to the women. Um, Paul could have said something like this. He could have said, hey, ladies, uh, I want to tell you a story. And now the story is about a man named Jesus. And just so you ladies know, uh, my name's Paul. And me and uh, my buddies here, we're here because of Jesus. Uh, we're actually here in His name. And we're actually here in His power, and we're here for Jesus' purpose here in this city. So let me tell you ladies this story. Jesus, this guy, Paul looks at these ladies and he says like, Jesus, we believe that He's actually the Son of God. Now I know that sounds weird, but we believe that Jesus is actually the Son of God. And our people, like we're Jewish people, uh, the Jewish people know and have expe been expecting a Messiah, like a Savior of the world. And actually, there's this story of Jesus. He once met a woman by a well. It's a crazy story. If you can believe this, she was a lady from Samaria. And so, uh, Jesus was Jewish, but this lady was from Samaria. And actually, they were kind of enemies. They didn't even, they weren't even, the Jewish people weren't even supposed to talk to the Samaritans. It was kind of like uh, the Nebraska Horn. Uh, Huskers versus the Corn Huskers versus the Wisconsin Badgers, right? Like, you, they're not talking to each other. The fans aren't friends, right? Uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, no. No go, right? Is, is that right? I don't know. I don't know. Um, so, uh, I'm from Kansas City, sorry. Uh, so, he looks at, looks at the ladies and he says, look, um, this lady was also an outcast. Like, did you know that not only a Samaritan, like Jesus wasn't even allowed to talk to her, but this lady, she, she was at the well at noon, like in the heat of the day. The lady had to go to the well at noon because she wasn't allowed to go there when all the other women went in the morning. All the other women go in the morning, but her, why can't she go? Well, we find out like Jesus is talking to this woman and actually she's had five husbands. She's an adulteress. Like, she's an outcast to that society. Like, not only can she, like, the Jewish people can't talk to her, the people in that culture aren't even, they outcast her. She's an, a, a woman on the outside. But Jesus, he talked with her. Man, and not only that, like, Jesus knew everything about this woman. It blew her away. And then there's this one verse that he, like this one, one thing that Jesus told her. He said that, hey, the water that I can give to a person will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. He said anybody that drinks this water doesn't have to drink any other water. And this lady said, I don't want to ever drink water again. Like, can I drink that water? Like, hook me up. Like, she still doesn't get, like, who Jesus is, right? Paul's looking at these women. Um, and he says like, hey, Jesus found this lady at the well. And this lady, Lydia, uh, this lady, she had found God. She had found her Savior. Like, 
This lady actually trusted Jesus. And then this lady ran and told everyone she knew about Jesus in the town. And the whole town came to Jesus to hear about Jesus and the message Jesus had. So I don't know, maybe Paul notices out of this group of women that he's talking to, there's one lady, Lydia. So Lydia, like he can tell like Lydia's heart is open for this message. So he just looks like directly at Lydia because he can tell that Lydia is the one listening. And he says, hey Lydia. And he like looks deeply in her eyes. He says, Lydia, like you ladies have gathered here to pray today. And that's all, that's cool. That's good. You guys should pray. But now like the time has come, Lydia. For God has come to the earth, and it's time to actually worship Him uh, for real. Like, we can worship Him in truth and spirit. And Lydia, you can have that today. He goes talking, talking with Lydia, and, and she's asking questions about Jesus. And probably says to Lydia, hey, there are people, some of my disciples, that actually walked and lived with Jesus. Man, they saw Jesus, this guy, work miracles. Man, they saw Him cure leprosy. They saw him raise a guy from the dead to life. It was a miracle. Some of these same disciples, they actually watched Jesus walk all the way to a cross. And they saw Jesus die upon a cross, Lydia. You're not going to believe this. And while Jesus was hanging on a cross, Lydia, when Jesus was hanging on this cross, Jesus was actually asking, God, Father, please forgive the people that are now beating me and, and, and killing me. Please forgive those people. They don't even know what they're doing. Lydia, you're not going to believe this, but three days later, these same guys, they saw Jesus raised from the dead. And Lydia, you're not going to believe this. Like, man, he was different. He was glorified. Like, he had a glorified body. He still had the holes in his hands, like where he was hanging on the cross. He still had this jab, like this hole in his side. But he was new. He had been brought back from death to life. And Lydia, he said that Jesus proclaimed that anyone that comes to him can have life. That no longer will they be condemned, but they'll be forgiven of all of their sins. And Lydia, you can have that too. Now, we really don't know what Paul says to Lydia, but I imagine him speaking this story to her. And I imagine her sitting there listening, and for some reason, out of that group of women, there's one. And God opens her heart and changes this woman's heart. And radically, she puts her faith in Jesus, and God transforms her. He brings her from death to life. Radically transform one woman. Now, uh... Lydia has great hope because she's chosen Jesus. Uh, and it's cool because we see right here very quickly that Lydia, she's transformed. And then she, as a disciple, says, Guys, use my house for ministry. Come and set yourself up. Like, if you believe that I have trusted the Lord, use my house to spread this message to all of our town. Let's do this. So the team arrives. They start planting the gospel. Disciples are being made. The church is starting to grow in Philippi. Uh, and so now, like, what's going to happen here, right? Um, so I want to talk about personal transformation and just even looking at this story. Uh, so we have one woman, Lydia, who's been transformed by the gospel of Jesus. When one person is transformed, though, it doesn't just stop with that one person. Uh, because Lydia then actually then went to her house 
All of her house was told this message. The whole house then put their faith in Jesus, and they're all baptized. Uh, They're all made new, right? So it's not just one woman, it's her whole family. Uh, But then Lydia has a house, and what, what surrounds her house? Other houses, right? And she has neighbors, right? Uh, And so then her household is now known as this new gospel household. Like they live for Jesus. That's weird. That's different. But she now lives for all of her neighbors to now know Jesus. But not only that, Lydia was a businesswoman. She was a seller of purple goods. So it's not just her house and all of her neighbors. It's her business. Now her business is living for Jesus. Like her business is centered upon the gospel of Jesus. And so every customer she has come into her shop, every person she interacts with, they all come in contact with with Jesus. So this transformation now goes from one person to all of her family, to all of her neighbors, to her business, to all the people that she comes in contact with her business. And so this transformation, it starts to snowball within this community. So transformation doesn't stop with the person. It goes with the families, the businesses. So you have neighbors, you have uh, the people that are buying the goods. And then the aspects of God's kingdom, like God's heavenly kingdom starts to take reality here on earth. The virtues of Jesus start being lived out by people. You know, the gospel begins to take root and it starts to change and challenge the culture. So next though, uh, we have this, we've had this woman and her family saved. Uh, they're, doing, they're continuing to do gospel ministry. And then we have uh, a demon-possessed woman set free. In our culture, isn't that, wouldn't that be amazing? Like, wouldn't that be the best news ever? That a woman held captive, chained up by a demon possession, like she is locked up. Like, I know you guys watch those ridiculous demon possession movies. Okay, I know you've seen it, right? Like, the demon comes cast out. Like, that is a victory, right? Like, that would be awesome, right? That'd be good news. Well, let's check out and see what happens. So, verse 16, 19, and 20. Uh, As we were going to the place of prayer, we met a slave girl who had a a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain by fortune telling. Paul says, get out of her in the name of Jesus Christ. The spirit leaves. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas, dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they had brought them there, brought them to the magistrate, they said, These men are Jews and are disturbing our city. Man, they should have been rejoicing. They should, there should have been great joy in the city that this woman had been set free. But in this culture, like they were used to a demon-possessed woman walking around and telling fortunes. Not only were they used to it, they were actually making money off of this woman. Like that was the culture. But the gospel of Jesus shows up, like disciples are being made, and all of a sudden, this woman has been set free. No longer is she held captive. She is set free in the name of Jesus. And so a backlash comes against the gospel. A backlash comes against the missionaries that have gone there. Against the church that has started. And so these men say, no, like this is not great news. Like 
these men are actually disturbing our city. And the response is they actually take these men out, they strip their clothes off, and they beat them. Then they lock them in prison. And so this persecution comes against the church. Suffering ensues. Every time the gospel spreads, suffering ensues. And so Jesus warned his disciples of this. Man, uh, do you guys remember when Jesus sent out his disciples two by two? If you go, go check out Matthew 10. He tells, he tells them, hey, I'm going to send you guys out and you guys are going to do awesome stuff. It's going to be amazing. You're going to heal people, demon possessions. Like You're going to cast demons out. Like People are going to come to the faith. It's going to be awesome. And then he keeps going and he says, but just so you know, you're going to be persecuted. Like They're going to take you out in the middle and flog you and beat you a little. But you have nothing to fear. And so Jesus goes on and he says, Look, they are going to persecute you when you spread the gospel, but you have nothing to fear. You have great hope in me. I will take care of you. He says, man, like the Father knows how many hairs are on your head. When these people are beating you, you have nothing to worry about. God's going to take care of you. And He's even going to give you the words to speak. Same thing in church planting. Uh, Ephesians 6 in church planting. Ephesians 6, it talks, Paul writes and pens a letter. In Ephesians chapter 6, he starts to talk about uh, the real enemies in this world. Often in this world, we believe it's, uh, uh, it's our neighbor who's the enemy. Uh, maybe it's our spouse at times. Maybe it's uh, someone at our work. Uh, but Paul pins a beautiful and truth that our real enemies, it's not flesh and blood. Uh, it's against the spiritual forces of evil in this place. Uh, and so in church planting, we realize that that is very true. And so, uh, for us as a church plant, we would ask that you would pray for us, but I want to encourage you uh, to pray over Joe and Christy, uh, to pray over the leadership here, uh, to pray uh, over, uh, over your own homes and marriages, like to pray protection over this church plant here in Hastings, Nebraska. So, the gospel is being planted, uh, persecution comes and suffering comes, as was promised by Jesus. But what results from persecution? Like, what is God going to do about it? So Paul and Silas, they've been beaten with rods. They've been taken blows, right? They're locked up in prison, shackled. Uh, and then we see this beautiful thing happen. Verse 25 and 26, it says, About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bonds unfastened. Fast forward to 29 through 31. And the jailer called for the lights and rushed in. Trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out of the cell. He brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. So the gospel is being spread. Persecution comes. They're locked up. But their reaction... Paul and Silas, their reaction, man, they're rejoicing. They're singing hymns. Like they've just been whipped. It's midnight. You would think they're exhausted, right? I'd be going to sleep. They're like, what are we going to do? Hey, let's sing some songs to God. Why not? It's midnight. It's cool. We just got whooped on. But man, God has brought persecution. God has allowed persecution against them. And they say, man, let's band together as brothers. Like the real enemy 
It's not even the people that beat us. The real enemy is Satan and what he's going after, trying to stop this movement. He said, man, let's sing songs to God. Let's rejoice. And in that, an earthquake happens. And in that, they still and they, they, they stay right there. But in that, we see a jailer come running in, fall before them and say, hey, what must I do to be saved? And so God takes persecution and He bands people together in persecution. Man, He brings about community, deep, deep community, in which when suffering and pain, like pain on their backs, being whooped, they can sit there and sing songs together. They can rejoice that, man, we have a Savior above. Man, He has sent down His Spirit and lives in us. And we can rejoice in this suffering. And not only that, God then used their suffering to bring about faith. Bring about faith and bring life to a new man, the jailer. If they never got whooped, they'd never be in that prison. If they hadn't been whooped, they wouldn't have been in that prison singing songs. The jailer would have never heard about Jesus. But God used that persecution and suffering to spread the gospel. And then the jailer comes to the faith. Uh, it's beautiful. So what happens in persecution? Boldness results. Man, people want to share the gospel more. Man, they see evangelism. Uh, they see uh, it brings about community. It bands together the disciples. And then even like Paul writes about suffering later in Romans 5. He says like, we can rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. And so lastly, like the church grows in this neighborhood, in this area, in Philippi, the church grows because persecution comes against the church. So, um, man, what, what must we do to be saved? Like, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Uh, if you follow this out and keep reading through Acts 16, keep reading through the rest of Acts, man, we see more disciples are made. Churches are, are planted and raised up. Uh, more disciples are raised up. We see church planters sent out. Paul uh, raises up Timothy and, and so much that he could send him out to be a pastor. Uh, man, we see the church spread all through Europe, through Asia. It's amazing. And church planting continues, city after city. Uh, and 2,000 years later, uh, here in Hastings, Nebraska, you guys are part of this movement that has started 2,000 years ago by Jesus. And then by Paul. Uh, and so, um, it's amazing, really, that the gospel 2,000 years ago is doing the exact same thing today as it was 2,000 years ago. That transformation takes place. That uh, there is hope for your individual hearts. Uh, you, uh, Christian, uh, there is hope for you. We feel stuck. We feel uh, enslaved by our sins. Man, is there really hope? Can God change me? Uh, and yes, if, if God, when you were an enemy to the cross, an enemy of Christ, if God would then send His Son to die for you, Christian, and then to bring you to life and to save you from spiritual death, and He would save your soul, now, as you battle sins and you put to the flesh to death and you feel stuck, yes, there is hope for you because God now lives in you, Christian. Like There is hope for you that He can change your heart, that He can help you with your anxieties, that He can break you free from lust, that 
you can be freed from addictions. Like, God, there is hope for you, Christian. Uh, and there's hope for you now in this moment. Man, I want to be able to raise disciples up. I want to be a disciple who can be a leader and actually disciple other people. Like, I actually want to lead a group of people a Bible study in my home. Well, there is hope for you to do that. Uh, and within this church body, at the well, God can do that in you. He can raise you up and equip you to do that. And that's what the church is here to do. To do. And that the gospel has allowed that to happen. And, and there's hope for you. But, if Christian, there's hope for you for the future. Uh, one day, there is a promise that Jesus said that I will come back for you. And you'll be set free from that body, that tent that you're stuck in right now, that brings about anxiety and depression and lust, and that wages war against your soul. There's going to be freedom for you that one day Christ is coming back, or you will die and be set free forever. And so there is hope for you one day in the future. And then us who, who struggle, uh, the people that don't know Jesus, who doubt and question, is it real? Like, there's hope for you. If you'll have an open heart, and you'll continue to hear that gospel message, and you'll continue to humble yourself before Him, uh, there is hope for you that God can change your heart. And man, there's hope for the people in our lives. Uh, the Lydia's, uh, there's hope for uh, the jailers. Man, there's hope for the people in our lives, the people that are closest to us, that have rejected God and run so far the other way. Like, there's hope for those people as well in the gospel. Because the gospel transforms people's lives. Not just us, but the other people in our lives. And then as a church, man, there is great hope for the well. There is great hope for a church in this neighborhood, in this community. Uh, you guys, often we look at Christianity just as me, like my own, my walk with the Lord. But really it's like our walk with the Lord. It's the church. And you guys can band together. You can ask God continually to do major, huge things. Like God is going to continue to bring new people through these doors. Man, in your GCs, He's going to encourage you, hey, throw a neighborhood barbecue. Like, invite neighbors over that don't even really know you that well and say, hey, we're having a barbecue. Man, and you're going to be able to love on those people really well. And God's going to bring some of those people to the faith. God's going to bring people at your work. And because you live as a body together, and you're like, man, I'm terrified. Joe, I work with this guy named Joe. And Jesus, man, he's put Joe on my heart. And I just want to share Jesus with Joe, but I'm terrified to do it. And you share that with your buddies, and your buddies in, your, in your, uh, your group, they're like, man, let's pray for you. Even text us the moment before you're going to go talk to Joe about Jesus. Text us, and we're going to pray for you in the moment, and God's going to lift you up, and you're going to be able to do it. And so there's hope for you as a church to spread the gospel here, to see this church continue to grow, to raise disciples up, that raise disciples up that send out churches, that make disciples, that make missionaries, that plant more churches. Um, and so I know you guys move into communion, uh, but this theme that I've seen run out through Acts and all throughout the early church, it all really just goes back to Jesus, and it goes back to the gospel. And so, uh, as we move to communion, which is representation of the gospel, I would love to just... 
share that with you, uh, this true gospel message of hope. Um, so I said that God calls men out and He calls them to a dark place to bring light into darkness, right? And they're to share the gospel. And then persecution comes against them. And then when persecution comes against them, the church flourishes, right? So uh, I want us to think about uh, God sending someone to a dark place. And the dark place then would be earth. And it would be all of humanity. And so it would be God, the Father, sending Jesus to the earth to become man. Uh, and He is born of the flesh. Uh, and He walks out the gospel message here on this earth. And that, hey, there is a way. Uh, there is truth. And there is life. Uh, and there is this new way. And I am this way. And Jesus paved the way for all of the disciples, including us. He was the light in darkness. And He began to spread this gospel message. And He... Persecution comes against who? The hardest. Jesus, right? So Jesus comes and there's this new message that Jesus preach, preaches. And He calls all to repent and to turn to Him and put faith in Him. And the church didn't like that message. The people didn't like that message. And persecution came against Jesus. And Jesus went to the cross. And that's why He came here. He went to the cross for your sins and my sins. And man, on the cross, like He became unclean for us. Like He took all of our sins upon Himself, hanging upon the cross. And God's wrath and God's punishment for us comes upon Jesus and crushes Him. And Jesus gives up His life for us, for the darkness, for all of humanity in the world. And He dies and He's buried and He put, is put into a tomb. But three days later, God the Father raises Him from the dead. And in that, there is great hope for all of us. And then Jesus, this persecution that came against Him, this persecution that killed Him, what came about that was great blessing. Because then there was great hope for all of us. And what came about that is that uh, the church began. Uh, Forty days later, the church began when Jesus ascended into heaven. He sent down the Holy Spirit. And the church sprung forth. And church after church started after that. And so the gospel actually, uh, this, this same message that God sends someone, uh, that there's a mission, uh, that uh, persecution comes against that gospel message, and that God actually delivers and then the gospel, uh, the church actually flourishes from that, uh, is played out perfectly in Jesus Christ Himself. Uh, Him coming to the earth, His life and death and resurrection. Um, so, let me pray, and uh, we'll move into communion uh, here at the well. So, God, thank You very much for... Uh, for you being here today, thank you for our family. Uh, God, we love you. We're very grateful, uh, Jesus, that you would uh, come to this earth. And thank you, Father, that you sent your Son here uh, to die for us. And Jesus, we thank you that you walked that out perfectly. Uh, we come and now just come to confess and, and put our faith in you, uh, Lord, that we are sinners in desperate need of a Savior. And Jesus, you are our Savior. And so we throw ourselves at you. We put our faith in you. Uh, and God, we thank you uh, that we have life in you now. Um, so Lord, we come 
uh, bowed before you. And we ask God that you would um, encourage us today. We pray that the areas of growth individually that we have, God, that you would work that out in us. God, I pray that the people in our lives that, that you desperately want to reach as well as we do, God, that you would transform their lives. And I pray a blessing over uh, this church body here. And I pray, God, that you would move in a mighty way. I pray that you would band this church together, that they would be able to spread the gospel message. Uh, disciples would be raised up, that as persecution comes against them, they would be banded together as brothers and sisters. God, that your church would flourish even further here in Hastings, Nebraska. So, God, we thank you, uh, and we pray in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. You're listening to an audio message from The Well, a gospel-centered church family in Hastings, Nebraska that exists to grow disciples and glorify God. For more information, please visit www.thewellhastings.com.